Welcome to Small Town Stories, a podcast about the people, places, and events of St. Albans, West Virginia. I'm Anthony Lewis, and my co-host Tony Romeo will be joining me later in the episode. And this show is presented by the Stone Church Workshop, which is located in St. Albans, West Virginia. And make sure you find them on Facebook. Our podcast today, we've got a great guest for you. It's none other than Mr. Robbie Bias. And Robbie is currently living in Nashville, Tennessee, but is a St. Albans native and is currently the music director for country superstar Blake Shelton. So we think we have a great show lined up for you. And when we come back from the break, Robbie will be joining us along with my co-host, Tony Romeo. But before we do, I want to remind you to make sure you subscribe to Small Town Stories on your favorite podcast platform. Just take a second, head over and hit subscribe. And also, to help us out a little bit, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review. That will help us um, get... Well, it, it will help us be noticed and um, and people will be able to find us a little easier with the more reviews that uh, that you guys leave. So do that do that favor for us. And also uh, again, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform. If you're just jumping on to listen to this episode, go back and listen to our other episodes. We think we have some good shows for you. Episode one featured the Rutherford Brothers, who were both longtime law enforcement. Um, with the Kanawha, worked in law enforcement, law enforcement with the Kanawha County Sheriff's Department, and uh, they grew up right here in St. Albans. And also, episode two is called "Hail Silver Eagles," and it features Pat Finnamore and Miss Carolyn Young from uh, St. Albans Junior High School. So we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by my co-host Tony Romeo and also Mr. Robbie Bias. So we'll do that after this. Britannica defines dance as the movement of the body in a rhythmic way, usually to music within a given space, for the purpose of expressing an idea or emotion. At St. Albans Studio of Dance, our goal is to develop skill and grow confidence. Hear what our student Layla has to say. I like St. Albans Studio of Dance because everyone's like a big family and we're all comfortable with each other. To become part of our dance family, visit stalbansstudioofdance.com or give us a call at 304-727-7150. St. Albans Studio of Dance, where stars are made. Hello, I am Walter Hall, a licensed insurance agent since 2003. I am a St. Albans Red Dragon native and specialize in homeowner, auto, small business, flood, and life insurance. I write insurance policies for multiple companies. Multiple companies provide you with multiple prices so that we find the price that's just right for you and your family. Contact us at our Facebook page at Morris Insurance Services or Walt Hall in Shermie Walt. Ask for me, Becky, or Amanda at 304-552-6547. Don't leave it up to your loved ones in their time of grieving. Plan now with Bartlett Nichols Funeral Home. Our family-owned business offers 37 years of experience to help design a funeral as unique as your life. Choose from our many options like permanent memorializations, veteran services, live streaming from the funeral home, and so much more. It's not about mourning death, but celebrating a life well lived. Bartlett Nichols Funeral Home on 6th Avenue, St. Albans, or online at BartlettNicholsFuneralHome.com. Welcome back to Small Town Stories, St. Albans, West Virginia. I'm Anthony Lewis, 
in the studio with Tony Romeo and joining us on the phone from Tennessee via St. Albans, West Virginia, Mr. Rob Bias. How are you, Rob? Good, fellas. How y'all doing? We're good. Doing well. As you were mentioning before we hit record, uh, I think everybody's trying to survive the heat. Golly, man. Yeah. So for the listeners, let's start with today. Life mm-hmm. today for for you. You were at a swim meet today, and this catch us up with what's what you're up to these days, the family, the whole deal. Well, these days, like you just said, I was at a swim meet today. Um, obviously, it's summertime. I got a six year old boy, Braden, and um, Braden. This is his first summer on the swim team, so uh, it's practice every morning, and and they have several meets throughout the summer. So he's in the middle of all that stuff. And we're, it's, it's actually, we're having a blast doing it. He loves, loves doing it. He's just really, he's an athletic kid. And so we're having fun with that this summer. Um, I, I just got back we were talking about the heat. I just got back, uh, it's today, Tuesday. I got back Sunday night. Uh, Blake had two shows. We played, we played in California on Friday night and Saturday night. Friday night was just outside of LA, and Saturday night was in uh, Northern California. And you want to talk about a weather change? It was so dramatically different out there. It was just not only was it cooler. I mean, like the high in Northern California the other day of our show. The day of our show was like. 65 and at night it was getting down to the 40s oh wow so at, yeah, at showtime i think we went on at like 8 30 or 9 or something and it was actually cool which was very refreshing yeah considering <laughs> the lights and all that stuff it's brutal here in nashville man it's just really really hot but yeah so i'm doing some doing doing uh some the festival Blake's playing a lot of festivals this year, not a ton, but, um, that's basically what we're doing this summer. Um, when I'm home, I'm doing swim team, swim meet, a lot of fishing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. To, that's, that's probably more favorable than actually touring. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a lot more fun, <laughs> <laughs> but, but touring these days is not, is, is not that bad compared to how we did it you know 15 years ago right. these days it's pretty we don't he doesn't do nearly as many shows these days which is yeah nice because i'm getting old <laughs> as we all are <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well go ahead tony no i was just gonna say you know rob keeps mentioning blake uh for those that just don't know uh rob is actually blake shelton's band leader and bassist yeah, sorry. Maybe I should have mentioned that. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I just wanted to pull that in and and bring it on home to yeah. uh, to those that may not know. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. Um, let's 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 go back to childhood. Where where yeah. where'd you grow up here in St. Albans? I grew up over in Ordnance Park, um, over by at, at the time um, Parkway Supermarket and. And, and Parkway Elementary was right there in Ordnance Park, St. Albans. And um, that's 
where I grew up, literally um, spent my entire my entire life up until the day I moved to Nashville, living in Ordnance Park. So, uh, yeah, I got a lot of a lot of fond memories of St. Albans in, in, in general, but Ordnance Park in particular. Um, it's where I grew up. Yeah, I don't get back nearly as much as I'd like to, but yeah, that's where I grew up, right there in Ordnance. So, so probably a lot of shopping at Parkway Supermarket and and uh, a lot of shopping and a lot of days working there. Man, yeah. I started working there. I worked there when I was like, I don't know, when you're old enough to work. I guess 16. I started working there, bagging <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> groceries and and running this the 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 cash register. Yeah, I worked there for years. Yeah, but wouldn't you give anything for the sound of those bottles? Those those Coke and Pepsi bottles clinking in the back. Man, what a nostalgic sound! Yeah, that 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 would be a nostalgic thing to to hear. It's been a long time. Wow, I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we would have to back in the day. I remember having to sort those. (laughs) It's funny you mentioned that we'd have to sort them by manufacturer. Yeah, RC. Pepsi and Coke were different. <laughs> oh, man. You'd have to, these people would bring back all these bottles and you'd have to separate them. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. It's been a while. Were you a Parkway Elementary kid? I was. Yeah. I was uh, all through from kindergarten to uh, sixth grade. That was, was an in, that was an interesting building. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, they tore it down along with several other grade yeah. schools. But uh, – what do you remember? Yeah. What do you remember about your friends and like who who who's your running crew down in the park? Well, I mean, when when you grow up and go to the same school for all those years, I mean, you knew the same kids. You know what I mean? The same kids. We pretty much grew up together, and that 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 was an interesting building. It, it's funny you bring that up because I can remember when I was going to school there. Like, I mean. I don't know. I was probably in, it's the total guess. I'd say maybe third or fourth grade. I remember there was a major, major push to close down Parkway Elementary and to consolidate it, to consolidate the kids that would go to that school with one of the other schools in the area. I can't remember. Maybe it was Auburn or something like that. I can't remember. But there was like a major, like my mom at the time was involved in the whole at the time, she was just involved in the whole battle with the school board to keep Parkway Elementary open. And they won for a while, but eventually <laughs> they tore the daggone thing down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I grew up there and played, you know, played for Parkway basketball team and all that, all that <laughs> stuff. But, I, I, you know, you asked some of the some of the guys I, I went to school with there, like, you know, Tommy Tully and like I see Tommy on Facebook a lot, and uh, Damon Withrow was another guy there, and Jeff Minnick, and that whole that whole crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of like the Parkway crew. <laughs> Absolutely. So you know, when for you, when did the the music bug kind of start to bite? You know, for me, it was distinctly when I was in, I, I think it was third grade. Um, I started, I, I happened to be at a, my grandparents' house, right? And I don't know how, when, or how this happened, but I found a trumpet at my grandparents' house. 
And all I can remember is, I mean, from third grade on, I was playing trumpet. Um, started playing right there at Parkway Elementary with uh, the uh, the music teacher that they had at Parkway. And then I kept playing trumpet um, all the way through school and eventually went to state on a, a music scholarship for trumpet. That began in, in grade school. The, the bass guitar thing kind of started, um, I'd say, end of junior high into high school. But chance that's was what they had. Was that's the music what they director, had for us was uh, junior high and high school, right? There was no middle school. Right. Yeah, we were junior high. Was mm-hmm. uh, by chance was the music teacher Mr. Davis, Richard Davis? I think it was. Yeah, maybe. Mr. Davis was Mr. Davis was at McKinley Junior High School. Okay. When I, when I went there, and he, yeah, Mr. Davis was at McKinley, and I, man, one of the I think the coolest thing about Facebook, without you know, you get to keep up with people and reconnect with people, and I've reconnected with Mr. Davis. After all these years, wow! On face, off on Facebook, like it's been, it's been this year, and I don't even know how that happened. But I remember running across him and reconnecting over Facebook. But yeah, he was at McKinley when I got there, and really taught me a lot. Did you tell me trying musically. to trying to still figure out how to play that trumpet? <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying. It's just it's, what's funny is it's been years since I've actually played trumpet, dude. I've Came to Nashville after I graduated college, man. I was so tired of that. <laughs> and all I wanted to do was play bass guitar. So I literally graduated college and moved straight to Nashville. <laughs> wow. So as, as you were as you were transitioning from St. Albans to Nashville, I mean, what mm-hmm. – I mean, you surely would have to have been so terrified of, of that big leap – from small town to big town. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be nerve-wracking, one. Two, you know, how am I going to survive? And three, God forbid if this doesn't work out, what to do? I mean. I think back these days, I think back to that time in my life these days, because over the past, I think this is my fifth year, I've part-time when I'm not on, when I'm not playing with Blake, I've, I've become a professor of music at, uh, David Lipscomb University here in Nashville. So I, I work with these college kids now. And I think back to that time in my life of when I was their age. And dude, it's so crazy now to think just how naive I was and just this is going to work out. There's really no two ways about it. You know, I, 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 I think that getting my degree kind of was that was kind of my backup plan right oh yeah yeah i got a degree in communications and broadcasting actually and that was my backup plan and so when i moved to nashville it was kind of like you know i mean obviously there's that you know fear of the unknown and moving to a new place but i just wanted to play music so bad at the next level that um i i often look think about think back to that time these days and think <laughs> I probably should have been more scared than I was <laughs> in reality I should have been more cautious but it was just <laughs> I'm if, if you want to do it professionally that's just what you have to do yeah and so, I was like man I'm doing it you know 
Yeah. So, I mean, so many others like you, uh, I mean, they, they get the bug and they move, move to Nashville. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what, how did you chart your course? compared to others that may have charted their course differently? I mean, what was the strategy? I tell you, for me, it was all about, it was all about meeting as many people as I could. And I, I share this too with my students these days. It's like, Hey, if this is what you want to do, then your networking like actually begins now. I mean, my students attend a college that's located in music city, USA. So <laughs> if you want to play music for a living, your networking begins now, which is a good and bad thing because you can meet a lot of people, right? But you're also going to be under a lot of, you're going to be remembered for every little thing you do, good and bad mm -hmm. from here on out. Right. Yeah. And so I tell them that that's, I, I kind of use that as an incentive. It's like, look, man, you got to be on your A game as you meet people and work with fellow students because somebody's going to go, be successful and they're going to remember you for what they, for what you did now when they met you. And for me, it was, you know, um, just meeting as many people as I could. Um, I mean, when I first moved to town, I would look at the ads in the paper, who's looking for a bass player. Literally I would go do free gigs just to meet people and just to learn mm. how this is done. How do you do this? I didn't know. I didn't have a clue, but, I just met a bunch of people and one of the people I met was Blake and you know, there were a ton of other people I played with at the time. Um, fortunately he had some success and, and that turned into a long-term <laughs> job opportunity for me. Um, but uh, looking back on it, it's, it's really about, you know, networking and, 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 what I tell my kids today at, at school is that networking has to be combined with what I consider. I mean, if you're going to come to Nashville to play as a musician, when you network, right, when you're, when you're meeting people and you're trying to, to further yourself and get a foothold in this thing, your musicianship and your, like your ability as a player at some point has to become a given, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we always, we continue to learn and improve as players, but I mean, if you're going to move here and try to do this, you know, as a player, you, you pretty good idea to be capable. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you kind of got to get your ducks in a row as far as that goes. And then once you do that, it's like you network, you meet people. And then it really is a deal. Like, all right, is the timing going to work out right? Is, are the stars going to be aligned for this guy that I'm playing with to, yeah, do this. That, that makes sense. And, and there's probably a lot of near misses too, that you, you know, as you were networking, that you, you came across these artists and, and musicians and everything else that, you know, you had worked with and all of a sudden your path went one way, their path went the other. And yeah, all of a sudden man, you're seeing uh, it's it. funny you say that because, uh, you know, Blake has, is on this TV show called the voice, right? I've never heard of no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's funny is that he had this guy, I'm going to try to make this long story really short because it, I hope it makes sense. So there was another guy, just a guy that I used to play music with back around about the same time that I was starting to play with Blake, right? This was just another guy that I was playing with, kind of like Blake was. Blake, I didn't know who was going to do what. I was just trying to work hard. Yeah. And 
So this guy, his name's Pete Mraz, and I was playing with him back in the, you know, mid nineties and, you know, we lost touch and, and, and we hadn't talked in many, many years. And we reconnected about, I want to say probably about 10 years ago. And we started, he reached out to me and said, Hey man, we haven't played music in a long time. Let's get, let's meet up and have some coffee or something. And we, came up with this idea, you know, it would be fun is to do, do a blues band together, just something to do, not because it's your job, but something that's just fun. Let's go out and play in a blues band together. And we did, and it was a really good blues band. And we had a blast doing it. Well, Pete called me up one day. This has been about five years ago. No, not even that long ago. Pete called me up and said, Hey, I'm trying to get on the voice and I'm getting pretty far along in this audition process. So that's cool. Um, so it turns out he gets on the voice. This guy that I knew from all these years ago gets on the voice and winds up, oddly enough, if you can believe it or not, on Blake's team. Now, the odds of that happening are just astronomical. Wow. Right? So he winds up on Blake's team, and it's funny because he commented on the episode where we wound up on Blake's team. He's like, yeah, man, you took my bass player all those years ago. And it's kind of funny because he and I have reconnected all these years later. And now I'm like, you know, producing him and, you know, working with him again. But yeah, <laughs> that was a funny story. Yeah. Yeah. There are some near, there were a lot of near misses and there were, there were a lot of near misses with Blake over the course of all those years playing together. I can I mean, imagine. Yeah. I mean, cause he started out as a development deal and then it just kind of, you know, a wait and see, wait and see something hit you know, and then it yeah. just kind of, kind of snowballed after that. So it did, but it, there were times where it would like snowball and then fizzle. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it fizzled a few times and we were working so much. You didn't really have time to stop and think about it. So take Holy us back. Crap. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no. th- there was one moment that, that I had listened to and I, I had saw one of your videos on, um, on YouTube and you, you talked about the moment where you're, you're back home playing a West Virginia venue and Blake hands you a West Virginia Jersey. Yeah. Take us back to that moment and and that feeling of finally coming home after all that time and, and playing in a West Virginia venue back home in your home state and what you were feeling. And I mean, all the emotions and everything else of, of, of that very moment. And I'd say that's probably, I mean, that's, that's about as satisfying as you can get. Right. I mean, I grew in, I grew up going to concerts at the civic center, you know, and that's where we were playing when this, when this happened, you know, um, and just to have, he, he made a really big deal out of it, you know, during that show. And he said, Hey, this is my bass player, band leader. He's from St. Albans, West Virginia. He was born and raised there. It was just a really big deal for me. Um, having grown up going to concerts in this at the Civic Center and then getting number one, just getting to to play there. Oh yeah. Um and having him make such a big deal out of it was really neat. I mean it was you know pretty meaningful, you know, it's kinda of like, all right. That uh it's a sense of accomplishment for sure, you know. Absolutely. Very, very, very gratifying, very satisfying meant a lot you know 
who who was able to come and, and enjoy that moment with you from from God, here in I, I, I know my whole family. That, that's been several years back. That I know my whole family was there. Which you know, I've got a pretty uh, small family. It was just I've got one sister and um, mom and dad, and I'm sure my sister's husband was there, and um, had a few friends there. But yeah, that was a chill bump type of type of thing. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't planned. He didn't say, hey, dude, I'm going to take you on stage tonight. Maybe we should make a big deal out of this, you know? He surprised you with that one, didn't he? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Completely surprised me with that one. That was cool. Can I take you back a little bit? And what like, what was the music scene like in high school and in junior high? I know you were playing your, playing trumpet. Mm-hmm. and But were you, were you getting in a garage band and – and cranking yeah. it out what was that what was that scene like that was the most fun and the most if i can say the word in a positive way it was a looking back on it, it was a very educational time and i'll kind of explain what i mean in a minute but so when i was in like i guess in the early high school years i really started playing in garage bands with buddies that um, I went to school with in high school. And so started playing, played a lot um, in a lot of bands in high school. And in retrospect, what we were doing was getting together and figuring out how this is done. I look at that, that, time is a very very informative and like i said almost like an educational time what blows my mind is these kids that i teach these college level students today who are majoring in commercial music many of them i I would say most of them have missed out on that experience for one reason or another um the scene back in West Virginia at the time, certainly after when I was in college, I started playing in a country band and the live music scene was really happening. I mean, I was, I was working all the time during the weekends in, in, in this country band, constantly working. The live music scene was really, really happening. And what I tell my students these days is, Hey man, I, I've learned, I learned how this is done playing in bands with my buddies in high school. Cause the last thing you want to do is show up on a Saturday afternoon with your buddies and not know your part to the song. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, <laughs> you're going to know what's going on. If not, you're going to never hear the end of it. And so, you know, we just learned how to do it. And, the whole thing was that's what we wanted to do. There was nothing more we wanted to do than to be in that room playing music for each other, you know, with each other. That it was just a very, very, very important time for me. Is that what gave you the confidence to being able to kind of crank it out with your, you know, obviously you've, you reached the level with the trumpet where, you know, that was getting your education, but, Yes, but was the, cranking it out in the garage and doing, playing the yeah. weekends? Is that where you gained the confidence to? Hey, I, yeah. I should take this in Nashville. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. It was, 
It was, I mean, in complete honesty, by the time, uh, the, the re- I, I, I was kind of burnt out on Trump by the time I was in college and I was doing it because, you know, look, you get a free education because it's, that's great. Um, but I was uh, fully intended to, to pursue playing the bass guitar after college. And that time period of learning how to play in bands in high school and then actually playing in and around like Charleston, St. Albans, Cross Lanes, uh, some down in Putnam County. There were lots of places that you could play back then and like actually make good money back then. Um, I, I, I don't think there's just, as much live music these days and that's not just back in West Virginia I think that's just across the board but yeah we've worked a lot when I was in college and that totally prepared me to move on to the next level because that's where you're you can't you, you know I don't see it feasible for somebody to be getting that experience of playing and gelling in a group like that while you are trying to do the other stuff to make this a career, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. At some point, you got to get that done, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's one reason why I'm teaching over at Lipscomb these kids who think that they want to play music for a living. Get some of that stuff done because, like I said, there's the the band scene doesn't seem to be um, as prevalent as it was when I was younger. Do you think that's because because kids think that they can just crank something out, throw it on YouTube, Mm -hmm. TikTok, Mm -hmm. and they're stars? That's what I think so. I I think that that's a a whole mindset. The whole mindset of, hey, you know, all I need is a computer and, you know, a recording interface. You know, maybe maybe that's what it is. Um, I I don't know. I just know that for me, working it out with my buddies in the basements and in the garages was where that's where, you know, I learned how to do it really, you know, and that prepared me to play like in a working band, you know, and then I got in the band when I was in college, it worked a lot and I was ready to go to Nashville. (laughs) So even backing up even further, what, um, obviously you're, you you played in, in a country band here and you're playing, uh, in a country band and a blues band, but when you said the blues, what 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 kind of led you? What were your influences? I mean, what what took you? What takes you there? Well, you know what I mean? I tell you, my influence was all it was all rock <laughs> growing up. It, oddly enough, that, that you know, when I was a teenager, it was all about rock music and you know, eighties music at the time. Eighties rock was really big, and I I went you know back and really dove into the the whole the Led Zeppelin thing and what 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 did people who were prominent in the eighties what what influenced them. So I really, you know, started getting back into the the, the older stuff like Zeppelin and Almond Brothers bands and stuff like that. And so those cats really were into blues, you know? Mm-hmm. All those guys were, you know, heavily influenced by blues music and so um i had never played in a strictly blues band before like i was telling you earlier pete 
my buddy said, Hey man, let's start a blues band. And it's the most fun I've had in a long time. It's just a blast. Yeah. Well, was, yeah. So, cause I could see, I could see that. Cause what you're doing now is a job, right? And exactly. I'm sure you, sure you love exactly. it, but it's still a job. It's kind of like, you know, you need that mindless yeah. break, something that got to have it. Yeah. Something got to have something to where it's something that, you know, kind of brings to mind that initial um, reason that you were inspired to want to do this to begin with. Um, because it does become a job. It does become, you know, your career and it does take on that focus. So it, it's very helpful to have something that really keeps you connected to what inspired you to begin with. So on the fun side of things, when you're in this blues mm -hmm. band, what are some of the, I guess, the artists and musicians that you've, you've set in with, or they've set in with you, you know, in some of your, your gigs, if you're doing gigs out there that you can mm -hmm. remember that they're, they're just blown you away uh, of, of having that opportunity to play with. Man, there's been so many. Um, Blake's always been like that guy to have, artists come and sit in and so uh our band has always been very well known for being a band who um can learn a, a lot of music quickly it's like we kind of messed up and let him know how good of a band we were <laughs> one time <laughs> we, we did this it was an acm award show after party and he was like look i'm going to host this after party and he started rattling off the names of all these people who were going to attend. And he's like, we got to learn all these people's music. Right. And the, it, the, it turned out great. Like, you know, like Reba McIntyre and just the who's who's list of country artists. Right. And so the band really pulled that off and, and kind of messed up and let him know how capable we were of doing that kind of thing. And then, so now it's nothing for him to say, Oh yeah. So-and-so is going to come out, have this song ready to play tonight. And it's like, <laughs> he has all expectations that you'll do that. But yeah, I mean, we've had so many people like we've got to play with so many cool artists. Like, we did this, um, this one stands out. We did like this tornado benefit special on NBC a few years back. And, um, this was kind of a sudden spur of the moment thing. It was like, there was an outbreak of tornadoes in Oklahoma and where Blake is from. And he said, man, I want to do this benefit. He called me and said, literally it's going to happen in like two days. We're going to do a benefit for Oklahoma. The NBC is going to do an hour long live special. And I don't know who's going to be there, who all is going to be there yet, but whoever shows up, you guys are going to be the band for the whole thing. Right. And it wound up being like, you know, Usher and like Ryan Tedder from one Republic and all kinds of different artists from different genres. And that was cool to get to play with all those different kinds of people. Um, and then we did this big thing a few years ago where we were the house band for this Opry special that Blake did in Oklahoma and got to play with like Ronnie Millsap and 
Jeannie Seeley and mm-hmm. some of those, you know, mm-hmm. those, those legendary country artists. But how's this happening? <laughs> Probably thought you so were dreaming in those moments, man. It's just, it's yeah, it's, just um, it's pretty unbelievable in those moments. But, you know, there again, it's kind of like you kind of get in the, this is your job mode, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then afterwards, like, holy crap, did this happen? <laughs> there's, there's, there's been a bunch of those that kind of add up, and it's pretty rewarding, you know? All good stuff. Hey, let's take a break. When we come back, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the early days, kind of cutting your teeth with Blake and, and uh, you know, you – I've, I've, I've toured before so I, and I've done van tours. So, you know, talk about the early days and mm-hmm. what it's like now for you guys. I mean, you know, the tonight show and you guys are yeah. out there doing it. So we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll get into uh, some of the fun, some of the fun, the rock and roll side of it all. We'll do that after this. Hey, y'all, it's Sandy Call from the Bridge Road Bistro, the place to go. If you haven't tried our bistro soup mix, you need to give us a chance. We do all the shopping for the ingredients for your base. You just add the main ingredients, potatoes for potato soup or lobster for lobster bisque. Then add heavy cream and water and you're done. We're available at the St. Albans and Taze Valley Kroger, Black Angus and a little bit of heaven in St. Albans, Drug Emporium, food fairs. Visit our website for more recipes at thebridgerobistro.com, the place to go. I never thought it would happen to me. I never thought this could happen to me. And then? It did. It did. It did. It did. We need a response unit to show the We live life as though these types of life-altering incidents will never happen to us. Until they do. Peyton Law Firm. Handling injury and wrongful death claims arising from any type of accident. Fighting for your life, your compensation, and ultimately, your peace of mind. PeytonLawFirm.com. Bentwell Solutions is West Virginia's premier ceramic coating and detailing center. Call and ask about our paint protection program featuring packages from mild to wild. We are the area's only Bentwell experts, and our computerized tire machine prevents scratches during tire mounting. Plus, we have the Tri-State's largest powder coating oven. Give your wheels or anything metal a beautiful new finish. Our gift certificates are the perfect gift and can be used for any of our services. Call Bentwell Solutions in St. Albans today. When your vehicle is damaged in an accident, it's not only the damage, it's the inconvenience that's the problem. David Smith Frame and Body Shop has over 35 years experience in the business of not only fixing your vehicle correctly, but to work with your insurance company in helping arrange a rental. It's all in the experience of the people at David Smith Frame and Body Shop that make it a good experience for you. I hope you don't need us, but if you do... Like Papa says, isn't it nice to know David Smith Frame and Body Shop is there for you. Welcome back to Small Town Stories, St. Albans, West Virginia. I'm Anthony Lewis in the studio with Tony Romeo and joining us on the phone from Nashville, Tennessee, Rob Bias. And, uh, What's up, fellas? And it's obviously some great stories there in the first segment about growing up here in, in town. But, um, you know, you've got, a, you've got a, a hell of a gig that a lot of people don't get those opportunities with, with Blake Shelton. And then you're doing some other things, which we'll get into, but let's go back to the early days. You know, you start kind of 
you and Blake start kind of getting together and, and playing in Nashville, hitting the bars, um, you know, the small clubs. I always picture, like, when I think of, like, country artists and even, like, I always tell people, man, there's nothing like playing in a small place. Like, I always call it the boar's nest setup, like on the Dukes of Hazzard. Mm-hmm. You know? That's it. Played a lot of those, man. Yeah. A lot of those. What, yeah. what was – what were those early days like with him? And, and uh, when did you guys start to feel like – we got something. This might actually happen. Well, what we would actually do with Blake a lot is um, he's from Oklahoma originally, and he was kind of like, you know, a, a small town star back in his town where he was raised in Ada, Oklahoma. And in Ada, they had this bar venue that we would go back and play, right? And it was next door to this, <laughs> literally this big rodeo. So we would go back to his hometown. We'd just take his pickup truck and throw our crap in the back, drive to his hometown in Oklahoma, and we'd play the rodeo. And then the next night, we'd play the bar next door. And I mean... That was always, you know, it was always a trip because, like I said, back home, he was like this big celebrity. And we're talking about probably, I don't know, 95, 96, around that time frame here. And so we would go back and do that. And and in town, in Nashville, um, that he started doing some like showcases they're called showcases that are, that are put on for industry members here in town members of uh, record labels publishing companies artist management companies and so he started doing these um, these showcases here and you asked when I knew that it was taking a turn and so we were going back and forth to Oklahoma playing stuff and we would, you know, play the occasional thing here in town. And then he did a showcase for, um, publishing companies. Okay. Here in Nashville. And this showcase was kind of like, Hey, it's going to invite all the publishing companies in Nashville to, to come hear this kid sing. So they get an idea of, uh, um, any material that they think would fit suit him mm-hmm. for a future album release. So this was, you know, yeah, we were just kind of thinking something's going to happen pretty good because if you're having that kind of a showcase and they're trying to get people to pitch you material, you know, things must be moving in the right direction. And they were, uh, he got signed subsequently to like this development deal with giant records. I think that came as soon as I want to say that came as soon as 97. However, that didn't like take off by any stretch of the imagination. It was like they signed into this development deal and then just didn't do anything. They didn't really, um, he was at the back of the line on giant records. Right. I didn't even know giant had a country division. 
I'm sorry. I didn't even know they had a country division. I remember Giant Records. They didn't, did. they, didn't they have Color yeah. Me Bad? Yeah, I think that was like the uh, they had a like an LA and New York okay. office okay. division. Yeah. So they had yeah, Giant had this. Well, they had this mm-hmm. country division, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they signed him to this artist development deal in like I think I want to say '97 ish, and uh, but nothing happened. And he just kind of lingered there on this development deal. And then around like 99 and 2000, I want to say, they they started working towards recording some, recording a debut album to put this guy out, right? And to try to do his debut, you know? And so they get the album cut and Giant Records closes. Mm-hmm they shut down and it's like holy try not to cuss they're like holy crap they're (laughs) they're shutting down i mean really this is happening you know after all this time everything's lining up and they shut down so somehow (laughs) it all worked out to where warner brothers um got most of the giant records roster and so they picked Blake up and released Austin as his debut single. And it, at the time, went on to be, I think it was a six-week number one. It's like the longest-running number one of any debut artist in country music mm. history. I don't know if that's still the case. I think somebody beat that. I can't remember. But I mean, when he finally got, when it finally came out, the single just went, nuts and you know I've been working a day job all these years you know and it was like I mean, I mean literally guys I was working at a Kmart stockroom warehouse in St. Albans West Virginia when I was going to West Virginia State graduated i literally i remember this i got on the phone from the kmart stockroom in st Albans, west virginia i called the kmart in nashville tennessee located on charlotte pike in nashville and said hey man would y'all be willing to do you have an opening for somebody in the stockroom <laughs> and they said yeah man when you move just come over and we'll. so i transferred from this Kmart in St. Albans to the one in Nashville and worked at Kmart until that single got released. And when it got released in, I guess it was late 2000, early 2001, we went to work and we've worked ever since, like, you know, solidly. So from that point, you're, 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 showcasing playing the rodeo the bars what mm-hmm. were some, what were some of the early tours who who took you guys out first well so first was uh toby keith was like the first no 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 that's not true that's not right lone star do you remember lone star oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the lone star was the first big tour and it was like it was awesome um they took blake out for a while and then it was after Lone Star, 
um, Toby Keith. We went out with Toby Keith for like a long time. I want to say like a year and a half, something like that. And after Toby Keith, it was Rascal Flats for another like a year and a half, a couple of years. And um, by that time, when that was wrapping up, um, he was starting to gain some traction, you know, after those early tours. Mm -hmm. And um, we did, I remember we did a tour with, he had started doing The Voice. I think it might have been like the first season of The Voice. And they could tell, man, this show's going to be big. And we did an opening act slot for the Brad Paisley tour. And that was the last opener slot that he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know Doug, his dad, Brad. Yeah, dad. Doug's a great, great guy, man. He, uh, when they come to town, he always hooks me up, man. He gives me a all access setup, and I just roam around. And uh, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a, I, I, I tell you, I, I just, you know, you know, when you're raised in West Virginia, it's like what what you have are, are the Mountaineers, right? And, right. <laughs> and you're when you're raised with that, that you know, that never leaves you. So still to this day, I mean, I'm more in a West. I'm more in a WVU shirt right now. I just half my wardrobe is just WVU shirt. So I remember being on the Paisley tour and, you know, Doug and I really hitting it off. Obviously because of the West Virginia connection. Right. You know? But he's he's just a real cool guy. Yeah. I've not had a whole lot of interaction with Brad. Uh, I've talked to him, you know, in passing. Um, Actually, I shot something with him back in like 2002 when I was working at West Virginia University. Um, he shot the video intro to Country Roads. So whenever West Virginia would win, he would he would come on the video board and say, "I remember that." Instead, yeah. so I shot that in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was playing wow. the old um, Icy Light Amphitheater. It was like you know the 3,000 seater that was right on the river. Yeah. That's where he was playing, and I shot that in his dressing room. That's awesome. I didn't know you did that. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So so that's when Doug and I kind of started our friendship and kept in touch over the years. And so the Paisleys are, are good are good folk. Yeah. Yeah. I never really talked to Brad a whole lot either. Um, but Doug is like, you know, he's just real outgoing and mm-hmm. real friendly. And, um, you know, always when we were on tour, <laughs> we always talked. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so from that point, like, obviously, the voice really helped um, help Blake's career. So, for but for you, when did it start to mm-hmm. kind of change? Like, you know, obviously, he has to make money to pay the band. The records have to sell. When does it go from I'm working in Kmart to I don't have to work anymore? I'm making a good living. Playing well, yeah, it's guitar. funny. It's funny because I can remember that. That time frame because Blake and I were living together at the time <laughs> in this little duplex in Kingston Springs, Tennessee and and um, I went to the store and said look I'm going to be going and playing music now <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to I need to switch from 
you know, I mean, I've, I've been a full-time stockroom employee and I mean, they, and they had even you know, <laughs> pushed me to move into management. Like if you're, if you have a college degree and you're somewhat, you know, coherent, they're not going to let you hang out in a stockroom right. for long. <laughs> so they, they kind of moved me into management. So I was like, look, you know, this thing that I'm the whole reason I'm here in Nashville, it's, it's happened. So I need to, I need to move to full time or part time out of this full time. And they're like, what? You know? And so <laughs> that didn't, that didn't even last, a, a, you know, a couple of weeks. I mean, literally when his first single came out and we started doing uh, promotional stuff and we started playing like these, you know, these radio stations and these uh, broadcasting companies will put on a big festival, right? And they'll bring in all kinds of artists. And that's really a big thing for new artists. It's a big place for them to be broken, you know, or these, and we were doing that kind of thing, like big festivals. And there was it literally out of the gate was we were gone. It was mm-hmm. a lot of work. Um, and we stayed really busy <laughs> just for a long time. I mean, a lot of it's a blur because we were just gone so much. If there was, I mean, if you're an artist, a country artist with one hit, you know, there's a limit to the kind of slot you can get booked to play, right? You can get booked to play a bar or something like that. And we played a bunch of them like god if there was a bar in the united states that could afford you know enough money but we played it um then we got on the tours and played the tours right but in between the tour dates with all these acts we were out with he would go do his own dates and we just we played constantly and then um it was so busy that like I might've mentioned earlier that, you know, there were times where Blake would, you know, he'd have a number one and then he would have like a, they'd release a single and it wouldn't do very well. Right. Mm-hmm. And it would be like subsequent singles that wouldn't do too well until he would hit another number one. Sometimes that would be like a year between hits. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, that's not a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but we were so busy that it didn't really have time to think about it. It's like, all right, we're working, we're gone. Yeah, um, you didn't really have time to think about the reality of the situation. Is you know, there were probably times where you know, hey man, if we don't get a hit pretty soon, I won't be as busy next year. But you know, we never got to that point. We always stayed busy he always had a hit when he needed it um and then he got on the voice and it was like it just took on a different level it it it, it went to a different level Mm -hmm. it's like he's got that thing he's got like you know he's got that star thing that i have personally encountered it you know it's not a real widespread thing i mean lots of you know music stars can sing really great and they can get out and they can perform but 
he's got this thing that happens and he doesn't really have to be singing to turn it on, you know, mm-hmm. as evident as evidence from that show, you know, I mean, it's, that's, you know, it's all his personality driven is, is why he's doing that show still, you know, and it worked and it helped elevate him to a different level completely. So all of that work we were doing kind of tailed off and went from, I don't know, man, we probably traveled over 200 days a year back in the day. And, you know, we might do 35 this year and that's not, that's not bad. But they're probably larger venue, larger show, larger, you know. Much, much, much different. (laughs) (laughs) And he's headlining them, you know. Absolutely. There's only only so many of those venues you can do. And he's of a mindset. You'll notice, you know, if you sit back and watch the artists that come through town, right? Even like Charleston Civic Center, like you see the same artists come through once a year a lot of times. And... Blake's not doing that. He's not burning out these markets across the country. You know, we'll, we'll hit the West Coast one year and then go do the East Coast and then come back and do, you know, splitting it up so that he's not burning himself out. Right. Because he doesn't need to. You know, he makes his money from the TV show, really, you know. So what has that allowed you to do? You you mentioned you were doing some producing. Well, before you get yeah. into that, I wanted to ask you, do you play, do you play, does he bring in a whole session, a session band for the albums or do you play on the albums? No, when he, when he does an album, his, his producer takes, brings in whoever he wants to play on, on his album. Right. And yeah. I have, I only played on a couple of things, you know, a few things here and there, but his, producer brings in his you know the same team of guys pretty much to play on everything that he produces it's so it's crazy how that works like from, from the outside in you know people probably think oh you know rob's playing on all these blake shelton albums and but yeah the, no. unfortunately the industry works like that well i mean you know the studio is a different thing completely and i i love playing in the studio and i you know um I love doing that as much as I can. And certainly that's a, still a major ambition for me, but you know, that is its own thing. And if you are on, if you play for an artist, the whole studio scene just labels you as, I mean, I'm known as Blake Shelton's musical director. That's what I'm known as, you mm-hmm. know? And it, for those people who would even maybe know me, I don't mean it to sound like people know who I am. I don't mean it that way. In Nashville, I mean, they know you just said. What I, what I mean is like, you're, if you're known as working for an artist, you're not going to get the same amount of calls to play in the studio as somebody who lives in town does. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature. That's the nature of how it works. For me, it's just worked out that I've been able to make a living playing with Blake, you know, there are times where, you know, I, I would like to be further down the road on the studio thing, but Hey, it is what it is. Right. You know? So back to, you know, with him doing 35 dates this year, you, mm-hmm. you've got a lot more free time. Obviously you, mm-hmm. you've got to spend the evening at the, 
at the pool, but yeah, what else? What else kind of floats your boat? What else are you getting into these days? Well, I like like I said, four or five years ago, I got this buddy of mine was teaching at Lipscomb. He was over top of the commercial music department, commercial music ensemble department. And he was having me come and talk to his kids a lot. Like he would have me visit his classes and talk with his kids. And after I'd done that several times, he's like, man, I think that you may have a future in this if you if you would be interested in teaching some classes here. And I'm like, man, that's not in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I, I never saw that coming down the line. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't have a teaching degree. I don't have a master's degree in, in, in anything. I've got a bachelor in communications, right? But they're like, okay, we think that your experience as Blake's musical director for all these years will suffice for your <laughs> degree. So they... I'm an adjunct professor of music at Lipscomb and I actually really love doing that. I, I didn't think I would like it as much as I do, but it's pretty cool. Um, during this, like I'll teach a couple days a week during the school year. And if I got a show that I have to do, then, you know, I got to miss class. It's just kind of like expected. They kind of take it viewpoint of they would rather have a, a professor who's actually in the industry miss a class every now and then than somebody that's not in the industry. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, so I, I really love doing that, that teaching thing. Um, it's pretty cool. So that keeps me pretty busy, like, you know, even though it's only a couple of days a week. And I'll tell you guys this, a six-year-old keeps you really busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's it. It's it's crazy. Where did I'm uh, 50, I'll be fifty one years old this year? So I'm checking around six year old. Uh, yeah, that's all right. I mean, I mean, yeah. you just got started a little late. Speaking of, I mean, tell us tell us a little bit about your wife and where did you two meet? We met through a mutual friend, like uh, I want to say, like fifteen years ago, and um, we did the long distance. She's from. Uh, Indiana. So uh, she moved here and we got married uh, finally. And we had Braden six years ago. And um, yeah, that's great. She's, she uh, works from home. Um, she's kind of got a really good position with the, this company that, I mean, majority of the time she works from home. So it's, it's pretty cool. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we're, we're fortunate, you know, um, and that's one thing that, you know, I have this time to spend with my son these days that, I, you know, I really don't take for granted. Um, and that's, you know, being a dad a little bit later in life makes it totally worth it because, you know, I get that time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if that would have, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that would have, I was gone, dude. Yeah. There's a lot of, and that happens. That happens now. Don't get me wrong. You know, I miss things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if um, I've seen it, you know, guys bringing their kids on the road. I know, uh, I think Chris Stapleton has a, brings his kids, and he's doing yeah. 60 straight. Yeah. You know, that's that's rough. Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, 
I don't. I've seen artists bring their kids out there and do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that I would ever want to do that. You know, if I was like an artist, just I mean, a weekend here or there is one thing, but I mean, you know, I've I've known of artists that that, that bring their kids out and like, you know, they do everything from mm-hmm. the road, like go to school and do all that stuff. Yeah. I guess, you know, if it works for some, that's great. I just, it, you know, it's, uh, um, it's a work environment, you know, like right. anything else. So on the countryside, you're, you're a Nashville guy. You're mm-hmm. transplanted. I got to, can I, can I ask you about a few people? Yeah. That, that, that interests me in, in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever, you ever run across Marty Stewart? You know what? Yeah. Marty Stewart is, um, I'm such a big fan of his. He is just awesome. Um, trying to think, I think I I met him at the Opry with, with so many of those people. It's like, you know, you'll be playing at the Opry or something. You'll turn around and be Marty Stewart standing there. It's like, what am I going to say to this guy? I've been fan of him for all these years. (laughs) And so many of those opportunities just come and go, and it's like, oh man, I should have said this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a, I've, I, I dig his stuff. Um, I do too. You know, there's a guy, and obviously when I say his name, you're gonna know exactly who he is. But a lot of people don't know who he is. But uh, somebody I'm, I'm hoping to meet someday, or at least go see him perform, is Dean Dillon. Dean Dillon, yeah, yeah man. Um, he's probably written I mean you know better than me he's written more hits than probably anybody yeah he's alive yeah he 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 wrote so many of those George Strait hits oh yeah he wrote (laughs) you name it Uh, George George owes him his career basically absolutely man he wrote all that stuff yeah um yeah he's an intriguing guy um, probably my favorite song that he wrote that George cut was probably Easy Come, Easy Go. Yeah. Did you see that documentary on him? Yeah, that's a that's a great documentary. Yeah. I was yeah, glad man. they finally put that out. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's been doing it for years. Um, there's a lot of guys like that that, you know. And Toby Keith's one of them, too. Obviously, he's one of Dean's guys, but – um, I don't know if he'll ever top, in my personal opinion, if he'll ever top uh, Should Have Been a Cowboy. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> That's a great yeah. song. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was, yeah. I think that was his, one of his first ones right out Yeah, that was early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know he's got some huge hits, you know. I, I love I love this bar and all yeah, that stuff. But I remember when Toby's career kind of took off on radio, too. I was working QBE for, for a while, and I remember that. Um so, well, we talked about Brad. You, obviously, you didn't, you didn't interact much. I don't know if Brad comes off his bus much. He, he kind of, he... you know, he kind of keeps to himself a mm-hmm. little bit. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's kind of, he, he just, he's kind of a. I don't know, man. He's kind of a quiet guy, um, and and that's just you know, when you're on tour, I guess. Got to retreat. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense to kind of feel like, you know, for some, I can see where, you know, some people might, especially from, you know, being an artist like that, you're, you're, you're the guy, right. That 
8 p.m. tonight when the lights pop on, you yeah. know, the guy paying to come see. And I could see how that would, you know, maybe tend to weigh heavily on someone and maybe they need to chill out the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But he's, yeah, he's, he's kind of quiet guy. But I mean, um, I, I tell you what's, what's really funny is, I, I mean, literally, we did that tour with him. And I mean, I, I, I don't even know if I had even had a chance to talk to him maybe a couple times, not much at all. But I mentioned to um, Doug that my mom and dad were coming to this one show, and Doug said, well, would they like to meet Brad? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, yeah, I'm sure they'd like to do that. And so he's like, all right, well, I'll set it up. And he did, and he said, have him come to sound check before you guys do your sound check. I'll have Brad come over and talk to him. And he talked to them like they were his freaking next door neighbors to be known <laughs> their whole life. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'll tell you a, a really cool Doug Paisley story. Um, I sent him a story about a young man that my cousin taught at South Charleston who had, um, he may have had, I think he had Down syndrome or something. Mm-hmm. Huge Brad Paisley fan. So I sent him the story. And I think they maybe did a story on him because he was going to go to the concert. And I sent it to Doug. Well, then mm-hmm. Doug reaches out to me and says, well, give me his information. So he reaches out to the family. I've been at the venue all day, so I'm leaving. And I see this line of people. And um, I run into um, I run into the kid. I see him there. And I see his family. And they're going wow. backstage to meet Brad. He, he made see, it that's happen. Doug. That's Doug right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He- yeah, yeah. Again, great people, great people. West Virginia people. So we really, what do you expect? You know. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing my wife makes fun of me all the time because you know, wherever you are, you're going to see somebody <laughs> wearing a, a West Virginia hat or a shirt or something, and we always say hi to each other. Yeah. And she's like, "What do you? Man, what? <laughs> that's just the way. That's just the way we are. I mean, you have, you know, that's the way we are, and it's really funny. I just." So we live right outside of, <laughs> you guys might find this funny. We live right outside of Nashville in Nolensville, Tennessee, right? And so my kid's on this swim team and he just started, you know, this is the first season he swam. And I showed up to swim team practice a few weeks ago and, you know, I'm always wearing a WVU shirt. And so this woman goes, Hey, where are you, are you from West Virginia? And I said, yeah, she said, where are you from? I said, St. Albans. She said, wow, I'm from Nitro. And I said, well, that's cool. <laughs> and she goes, and so, you know, we have struck up this little friendship now, me and this lady. And so today, and my kids swim meet, you know, there's 500 freaking people at this thing. It's 175 degrees outside, and people are just like, you know, just trying to survive this swim meet. And I see her coming in, and she saw me, and she, like, ran halfway across the the pool deck and she goes i forgot to ask you did you ever eat a, a, a fried bologna sandwich at andy's over in institute by state I'm like, heck yeah man <laughs> oh, yeah. You, do you guys know do you remember oh, that oh yeah absolutely so she ran halfway across the pool to ask me if i'd eaten the fried bologna sandwich at andy's. <laughs> of course i had i went to state for four years <laughs> absolutely do you do you get to come back do you get to come back to st albans much or uh not, not as much as i'd like to i i you know, 
um, when Braden's in school, it's, it's hard. Um, and God, when summer comes, it's hard because he's just running constantly. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we come in and out. I try to as much as I can, you know, Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I used, to, I used to burn up the roads coming back, and forth, you know? <laughs> right? And then when you get, you know, when you have a family and stuff here, and he's got, you know, this little thing called school, it's hard to. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think on behalf of the city, I think maybe we'll. You're formally invited to come back, you and Blake, to come back and play Yak Fest next Absolutely. next year. Think you can squeeze that oh, in? I, I, you know what? I'll I'll throw the idea back. <laughs> we can try to make it happen. Yeah. I think it'd be a hell we can of a do show. the after party at the El Dorado. There you go. Not, golly, man, it's been a while since I've been that place. <laughs> Absolutely. Is the Eldo is the Eldo still there? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, still cranking. <laughs> yeah, every night till three a.m. It's still cranking. Yeah. Speaking of the boar's nest, I mean, that, you know, that's basically what yeah. kind of place that is. Uh, no doubt. You know. No doubt. Good old small town bar. I've spent many that, a night in there. That's yeah. all right. Uh, I, I have too, man, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to put the whole show into perspective, Rob, I mean, if, if your self right now could sit down with that little trumpet player, what would be some advice uh, from – from all these years that you would give that trumpet player? Um, I would say, you know, um, and it's just something I think about often with my kid being six years old. It's basically the advice is you can do <laughs> anything you want to do. You just have to decide what that is that you want to do. Um, what I would tell myself as that kid would be just believe in yourself, you know, um, believe that you can do it. Um, and I know that's kind of like, that may sound odd that I would give myself that advice as a kid, because I just told you earlier during the first segment, just how I just knew that I was going to move here straight out of college. But as a kid, that's what I would that's what I would, I think that's an important thing uh, to impress upon kids is you can do whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You can do, <laughs> you can do, you can do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can absolutely. do it. It's going to take hard work, but you can do it. Absolutely. And, you know, whatever it is that, that's what I want my kid to know is, you know, do whatever you want to do. You can make that decision. Mm-hmm. But just do it right. Do it good. Do what it makes you happy. You can do it. Well, Rob, man, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your stories. Um, hey, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you guys thinking of me. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this. I'm proud to be from West Virginia and to be from St. Albans in particular. I spent my entire life until I moved to Nashville in St. Albans. I'm proud of that, man. And I'm honored that you guys would think of me for this. Yeah, well, we're certainly proud of you and, and all the work you've done and, and all that you've accomplished. So, you know, congratulations on all your success and continued success in the future, Thank too. You. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, and send uh, our regards to Blake, please. And remind him about Yak Fest. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think will. it's it's really cool to turn on Jimmy Fallon and and see somebody from two five one seven seven up there you know, or, or any of those shows. You know. Absolutely, it's it's That's really cool. Fun. That's yeah. pretty fun. So uh, we again, we, man, we appreciate you taking the time to to come on, share your story. Um, you know, hopefully this will kind of let a few people here in town, you know, dream a little bit. And, uh, and also to maybe some people that maybe didn't know you were from here, though, this will be their little education to, uh, from, from Ordnance Park to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, I'll tell you one thing and then I'll shut up. Cause I know I've talked too much. I have, there's a, there are a lot of folks from West Virginia that are down here that have done well and accomplished things in the music industry there's lots of musicians that you know that have moved down here to do it and um it's a doable thing man you know if it's if it's what you want to do mm-hmm. I, I just hope that's what i would want kids to know you know and that's what i tell my college students today if you want to do this you can, you could do it it would take hard work but you could do it no yeah. matter where you're from but yeah i appreciate you guys having me I'm, well, we'll cut you loose so, to that. Get, hopefully, your uh, six-inch sub that you ordered through my, when you text me is not getting really cold. Sorry, I, sorry, I sent you my uh, <laughs> my food order. I told my wife, "I'm not gonna get home and get on this call." Then I sent you my food order. <laughs> hey, man, it's all good, yeah. Rob. Man, take care of yourself, and um, we'll be in touch, and and uh, we'll keep fo- we'll keep Please following do. you, man. Please do. Thank you. Thanks again, Rob. Take care, Rob. Thank you, fellas. All right, buddy. So that was Rob Bias. And um, obviously, you know, from Ordnance Park to to Nashville, to The Tonight Show, to L.A., to the Grand Ole Opry, you you name it, he's been there. And uh, I I really kind of got into that message there at the end about, you know, if you really want to do it, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's had a whirlwind of success, um, and like he mentioned, it didn't come easy. There was a lot of hard work involved, and it's just a, a great testament to if you put in the great work, great things will happen. Yeah, I always like hearing those stories of the early days. I absolutely. always call them the Boar's Nest Bars. You remember, yeah. like on the Dukes of Hazard? Oh they would, yeah, they would just kind of. I think Roscoe would ticket them and make like Loretta Lynn come in and play off of a bar stool, it, you know. And it was it was kind of like the country singer or the star of the day. Yeah, and it was always at the end of the episodes. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. But I, I always long I like um, hearing those stories of the early days because obviously now Blake's made it, made and it, they made fly. It. Oh yeah, you know if they got to go to L.A. for three days or two days, Absolutely. they fly. They don't. As he said, throw his stuff in the back of Blake's truck and, <laughs> and take off to California. But boy, what what stories that truck could tell? Oh, probably yeah. tell. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you know, I mentioned. I think it was even off the off the recording. I've I've toured before and I've done van tours mm-hmm. and bus tours. But you know, the, I think the van when you're in the van or you're in the RV, like that's when the the memories are made. Absolutely. Now it's unfortunately, like he said, it it's a job. Right. It's a job right. now, but. I mean, man, what a hell of a job. I don't have a cool job like that. I mean, just just the life he's led so far is just like, wow, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. <laughs> so just for the listeners, he, he called back right after we hung up, and he wants to come back on so and do another episode. We're going to you know, talk a little bit more about his days here in town. And, I mean, he obviously shared a lot of stories, but he's got a lot of stories he'd like to, sh- to share. So – We'll do another episode with Rob down the road, but uh, we appreciate you taking the time to download this episode 
of Small Town Stories. Don't forget, you can find it on any of your favorite podcast platforms, and you can also uh, subscribe. So make sure you hit subscribe because this is not a weekly show. We might put one out every month. You might get one in two weeks. You might get one in two months. This is really just kind of a an opportunity for us to um, to kind of document and tell stories from great West Virginians and great people from St. Albans that are uh, have a great story to tell. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you like this episode of Small Town Stories with Rob Bias, uh, please swing by and leave us a review and even maybe share it on your social media um, and let people know that we're that we're doing it. Hey, thanks for listening to the Small Town Stories podcast. 